0: Since Roman times, virtually every type of government that holds competitive elections has experienced some form of populism, some attempt by ambitious politicians to mobilize the masses in opposition to an establishment they depict as corrupt or self-serving. From Tiberius Gracchus and the populaires of the Roman Senate, to the champions of the Popolo in Machiavelli's 16th century Florence, to the Jacobins in Paris in the late 18th century, to the Jacksonian Democrats who stormed 19th century Washington, all based their attempts at mass mobilization on appeals to the simplicity and goodness of ordinary people. By the mid-20th century, populism had become a common feature of democracy. But then, during an extended period of spectacular economic growth Stretching roughly from the aftermath of World War II to the late 1970s, the political establishments of most Western democracies managed to banish their populist rivals to the innocuous fringes of political discourse. On the right, populists occasionally made incursions at the local or regional level, but inevitably failed to gain traction in national elections. On the left, the counter-cultural protest movements of the 1960s and 1970s challenged the status quo, but didn't secure institutional representation until their radicalism had subsided. As the political scientists Seymour Martin Lipset and Stein Rockin famously observed, during the post-war years, the party structures of North America and Western Europe were frozen to an unprecedented degree. Between 1960 and 1990, the parties represented in the parliaments of Amsterdam, Copenhagen, Ottawa, Paris, Rome, Stockholm, Vienna, and Washington barely changed. For a few decades, Western political establishments held such a firm grip on power that most observers stopped noticing just how remarkable that stability was compared to the historical norm. Yet beginning in the 1990s, a new crop of populists began a steady rise. Over the past two decades, populist movements in Europe and the United States have uprooted traditional party structures and forced ideas long regarded as extremist or unsavory onto the political agenda. The influence of populists has been especially striking in the past few months. In May, eurosceptical and far-right parties demonstrated unprecedented strength in elections to the European Parliament, even topping the polls in France and the United Kingdom. Meanwhile, in the United States, the Tea Party has sparked a civil war within the Republican Party. The most recent casualty was the House Majority Leader Eric Cantor, an influential party power broker who was defeated in a primary election in June by a previously obscure arch-conservative challenger. The movement is now poised to make major advances in November's midterm elections and will likely be able to hold Congress hostage with its obstructionist tactics for the foreseeable future. Members of the Western political establishments have explained away this populist wave by pointing to recent events—the financial crisis of 2008 and the Great Recession that followed. They say— account for the growing impatience with the status quo, but that interpretation underestimates the significance of these electoral shifts. Far from reflecting a temporary crisis, the rise of populism stems from a set of long-term challenges that have diminished the ability of democratic governments to satisfy their citizens. These problems, including a long-term stagnation in living standards and deep crises of national identity will not go away anytime soon.